Good morning, church. Morning. How y'all doing today? Good. Oh, hold up. Hold up. How are you doing today? Uh, you're a little more enthusiasm, yeah, but I don't believe you're doing that good. <laughs> hey, when my kids were little, they loved to play pretend. In fact, every day was like imagination pretend day in the Fitz home. Uh, we had this little uh, dress-up box. We opened it up, and we had all these different costumes in there, costumes for girls, costumes for the boys, costumes for all of them. And, and like every day, they were pulling costumes out of that thing, dressing up. And I mean, they were characters from Narnia. They were characters from Marvel. They were characters from Disney. They were characters from the Bible. They were characters from PBS Kids. They were dogs and animals and unicorn princess things. And they were princes and princess and all this different stuff. And like every day was dress up day. And it was fun. And the kids realized that sometimes it's more fun to pretend Because the reality of the family room or the reality of the bedroom or the reality of the backyard could just get kind of boring. And so they would pretend and they would don these clothes and they would enter into a different land. And they then got to the point where they were just a little bit older and they realized that pretending was a whole lot more fun than chores. (laughs) So they kept on pretending. Now, Makes me wonder, you know, my kids, they love to pretend, they love to do all that. But friend, do you still pretend? Do you still pretend ever? You do, don't you? We we all do. We all still pretend. At times, we we pretend, don't we? I mean, the last time someone asked you, how are you doing? They asked you, you know, how's it going? What did you say? Were you honest or did you pretend? I did that just a moment ago. Everybody says, oh, we're good. No, we're not. We got stuff going on in our lives, man. But we all pretend that things are good. We all cover it up. We pretend all the time by, about a whole lot. But listen, we come by this naturally. Like It is hardwired into us to be pretenders. If we go all the way back to beginning, all the way back to the first people, to our spiritual and, and physical ancestors, back to Adam and Eve in the garden. They're created by God. They're placed in this pristine garden. Perfect people in a perfect place. Until. Until. Perfect people in a perfect place until they break the one rule God gave them. And they ate the one thing that was off limits. They had one rule to follow. They had one job. One job. And they couldn't abide by it. And so in that moment, everything changed. And do you remember what they did next? It's recorded for us in Genesis. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now up until that point, they were naked but unashamed. They had been naked, totally, completely, fully naked. Totally, completely, fully known. Totally, completely, fully exposed. Totally, completely, fully vulnerable. But up until this moment, there was no problem with that. It was no, there was no inappropriateness in it. There was no shame in it. There was no guilt in it. It was okay. That's how they were supposed to be. But in that moment, when they tasted the fruit, when they bit into that fruit, and the aroma invaded their nostrils, the juices spilling over their taste buds. In that moment, everything changed. They had gone from being totally and completely known and totally and completely loved to suddenly enter into the scene shame and blame and guilt and awkwardness and sin 
and are in embarrassment and hiding. Hiding. And we continue to hide, don't we? In that moment, they sewed fig leaves to hide their nakedness. And then, that evening, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So what did they do? They hid from the Lord God among the trees, as though you can actually hide from God. When God walked into their presence, they hid. It wasn't enough to just cover their nakedness anymore. Those fig leaves couldn't hide their shame. It couldn't hide their guilt. So they hid from his presence. They climbed into the shrubs behind the trees, peeking out. Maybe God won't see us here. And ever since that moment, we have been hiding. We've been covering up. We've just gotten a little more sophisticated in the sin fruit we eat. We've gotten a bit more sophisticated in the way we hide. No longer do we sow fig leaves. No longer are we just covering our nakedness. That's kind of old school. Now we, we wear these elaborate masks to cover up everything else. All of us, we wear a mask and we try to hide different masks. It's maybe not a, a real mask we wear. It's just kind of this facade that we put on. We, we wear the happy mask that everything's okay, that I'm doing just fine. Or maybe we wear the I don't care mask. Just trying to keep some people away from us. I don't care. You know, I don't know what's going on. It doesn't bother me. Or the drama mask of the world is so crazy. Trying to point the problem at all the other problems in the world. So nobody will focus on the problems in us. Maybe it's the I do care mask. I care so much about you. When really we don't. But maybe if they think that I care about them. Maybe somebody in return will care about me. Or the tough, angry madman. Just keep everybody away. I don't like people. I don't want to be with people. Get away. Or the sad mask of just everything sad. Sad out there. If I can point at the problems in other people's lives, maybe that means I don't have to deal with the problems of my own. Or, and this is the one a lot of us wear, the religious mask. I don't know how to draw religion, so <laughs> this is what you get. But it looks religious, right? Like, I'm so pious, I'm so good, there's not a problem in my life. All the problems are out that way. And we wear these masks, and we keep pretending. We keep pretending that everything's okay, taking the focus off of ourselves. Every one of us wearing a mask, every one of us covering something up. And we hide. You know, all of us have hardwired in us this desire. The, the psychologists will tell us that it is the one human desire that all of us share in common, that we want to be accepted, we want to be known in our fullest and still be loved. Like, here is the core desire of the human heart, to be fully known and still fully loved. To be fully known and fully loved. Like all of us, that's hardwired into us, that that's our desire, that I want you to know me and I don't want you to leave me. The problem is, we have all these things to compete with that. There's this lie that we've bought into that tells us that that, well, that's just not going to happen. That's impossible. That there's no way we can be fully known and fully loved. Because we have too much stuff that tells us elsewise. Our sin tells us, no, that's not possible. Our enemy, the devil, tells us there's no way that's going to happen. Our experience with ourselves and with others says there's no way we're going to be known and still be loved. And so we mask. And so we mask. If we buy this lie, 
that if others know me, if they know the real me, if you knew the real me, there's no way you would love me. If you actually know the messy side of me, if you see behind the curtain and you see the true me, there's no way you would accept that. I'm too messy for you. You can't handle that version of me. And so we put on a mask and we pretend and we protect ourselves or we, we mask our pain and our problems, our insecurities, our mess, our fears, our failures, our controlling and our conniving, our corruption, our confusion. We mask our self-doubt. We mask the fact that we have this compulsion to control others, everything and everyone in our lives. We mask how we perform to prove ourselves or how we are just trying to win the approval of others because we are so addicted to their approval. We mask the fact that we have to manage this image that we wear Because lurking just below the surface, always just under the skin, always just on the verge of being exposed, it's this anger or tears or pain. That lurking just under the surface is anxiety or pride or sadness or this stinking bad habit that we just can't break free from. So what do we do? It's all good. It's all good. How am I doing? I'm, I'm doing good. And we just... Keep wearing the mask. Problem with this, though, is that we are so afraid to let people in behind the mask. We're so afraid to let people see. We're so afraid to have all of our insecurities and things exposed. We're so afraid because we have this deep desire for approval and love and acceptance to please others, this desire to control and manage, these desires battling with us. We're afraid that if we take off the mask, people see that, they can't handle that. And so what do we do? We, we put on a mask that gets people to accept us. We wear a mask that we think is acceptable to others. We think. And, and what happens is we, we say, well, if they, if they can love that version of me, then they can love me. And here's where the stink of it all happens, is they do, they, they love that version. They're okay with that version of us. And they fall in love with this masked us. But the problem is, the us they love, the us they accept, the us they approve of, isn't the real us. And so the me they know and the me they love isn't the real me. So here I am, I'm still hiding behind this mask, unloved, unknown. But now i got to manage this known and loved piece. No, we're there. All of us, to some degree, have been there, are still there. And this, this just becomes painfully exhausting to manage. So in this series, Unmasked, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to join me on a journey of beginning to remove the mask. I want to invite you to get real with me. It'll be a little scary. It's not going to be comfortable. It might even be painful. But it's worth it. I want to invite you to join us because it's the most liberating thing you can do. Because the more we pretend, well, the less we really allow ourselves to experience what God has for us. You know, with Jesus, it's a totally different story. Like when we look at the life of Jesus, it is so refreshing because there's this radically different way of just being real. And at what I would say is like the pinnacle moment of Jesus' life. He is an adult man and he gets baptized, comes up out of the water. And in that moment, like this is a pinnacle moment because from there on, he is propelled into his ministry. 
But in that moment of coming up out of the water at his baptism, his father reminds him of his identity. His father reminds him of who he is. His friend John records it for us in his gospel, the story of Jesus' life. So Jesus comes up out of the water and a voice from heaven says, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. You are my beloved son. I, I take delight in you. I, I find joy in you. Like you're my boy and I love you just because you're my son. And that's all Jesus needs to move him forward with confidence in the ministry he has. Now, just as a aside, like the little sermon within the sermon, parents, I just want you to take note of how powerful it is for a parent to speak truth, to speak identity, to speak love and joy into your child, and it doesn't matter at what age. Like Jesus is an adult at this point, 30-ish years old. Parents, speak those words into your kids and never stop. So we have this beautiful invitation here because the, the really cool thing is we are invited to take off the mask and rediscover our identity as God's children. To, to find that God wants to speak words like that over us as well. Jesus' friend John writes in his account of Jesus' life, he says, to all who believed in him and accepted him, he's talking to Jesus, to all who believe Jesus and accept him, accept him as savior, who accept him as the leader in their life, to accept him as Lord, to those he gives the right to become children of God. Now here's a, a key truth for you. All of us, all people are created in God's image. Not all people are God's children. All people are invited to become God's children. But not all are yet God's children. God has created them. <clears throat> he desires them to be his children. But only when we accept Jesus are we in the family. Only at that point do we get to turn to God truly as Father. Later in life, John wrote to the church and said, see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children and that is what we are. Church, that's us. If you believe and have accepted Jesus, that's who you are. You are God's child. The apostle Paul, a leader in the early church, wrote to the believers at Rome. Says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. No, 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 no. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. Abba, that word means daddy. Like that's how we get to refer to God. We are no longer slaves to some false image, to some fearful self. We're no longer slaves to our failures and our fears, to our conniving, our controlling through our confusion, through our pain, our problems. No longer slaves to the approval of others or the addictions within. Now that doesn't define us. No, that defines us no more. And now we're defined. Now our identity is God's kids. We are adopted by him. He is our Abba. Adoption. What a cool thing. I'm the youngest of four kids, and my three siblings, Matt, Mike, and Becca, are all 11, 7, and 5 years older than me, respectively. And when I was a little kid, I'm about three years old, and I don't remember the story. I've just been told it so many times that I remember it as though I was there. You know how that goes. Like the family stories you hear all the time. This is one of those in the Fitz fan. So I was like three years old, and I found out my siblings were adopted. I thought that was pretty cool. 
And so that night at bedtime, my parents are tucking me in. They're wrapping me up in the blankets. I got my little stuffed animals with me and everything. Uh, and I start crying because I want to be adopted too. Like, I'm left out. I'm, I'm the non-adopted one. Like, I, I want it. And so my mom's telling me, like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, you're special too, different way, but everything, but you're all part of the same family. And, oh, we love you just the same and all this stuff. And, but I'm three, so it's not sinking in. And I'm getting that inconsolable cry, you know, the annoying one where the snot starts coming and the kid's just, like, uncontrollable. You're like, whose kid is this? Mate? I don't know. Like, and... You know, so I'm like, it's just not working. Because my mom's rationalizing with a three-year-old. And then my dad just steps in, leans down, kisses me on the forehead, whispers in my ear, you're adopted now. Boom, I am out like a light because my world's at peace. A... Now, I later realized that's not how it worked, right? But it has struck me that in the Fitz home, my parents were 40 years old when I was born. That was not a plan. <laughs> like, I was not like a, hey, let's do this to ourselves kind of thing. It was a total, like, what just happened, accident, oops kind of thing. I was the one who forced us out of our house and changed up the whole life. Like, we had to move to a different place and all that because we were just three boys, the house was too small. I mean, it was chaos. Like, I was the one who kind of wrecked some things. Now, I was never made to feel bad about that. I got a whole lot of love from mom and dad. My siblings loved me. I still adore them. We have great friendships. So life was good there. But it has never been lost on me that my siblings, well, they, they were adopted. Like they were chosen. They were pursued. Mom and dad sought after them. They chased after them. They adore them. Like this beautiful picture of what that meant in our home. Friend, that's you. That's me, that's us. As his children. That's what God desires for us. That this is what's true of you. That you are sought, you are chosen and cherished by God the Father. Because he loves you and he wants you in his family. Like don't miss that. God wants you in his family. And so he has pursued you, he's chosen you, he's sought after you to welcome you in. He's done everything that needs to happen for you to be his kid. You just got to receive it. So that, that's our identity, and that identity should shape everything about who we are. Like, that is what's true of us. Identity for the one who follows Jesus is absolutely different than identity for anyone else in any other religion, of any other faith background. Because our identity as Christ followers is shaped totally by love, that God created us in love. His love is what sustains us in life. His love, his incomparable, inextinguishable love is what gives us hope. God made us in love. Love is our identity. It's our calling. We are created in love, of love, for love. And apart from God's eternal, divine love, our lives just don't make much sense. The problem with this is that we do a really terrible job of receiving that love. Like all of us, we, we just do a horrible job of just being loved and we mess it up in a few different ways like for some we just like man i am too far gone i messed up too big there's no way god could still love me there's no way he's gonna love me i'm too far gone for him and others we're just like we, we just try to like do something to deserve it we earn it we we got well if i can just be religious enough then god loves me if i can just get over this thing god loves me if i clean it up enough or pretend enough then god's gonna be okay with me and then he'll love me 
Or some, and this is the really insidious one, there's like this entitlement. That, well, I know God loves me because I sin differently than them. And like we just mess up this whole love thing. And God says, no, just simply receive it as my job. You're loved. You're loved. From remember, to those who believe in Jesus and accept him, the Father gives the right to become children of God. That's what God would desire for all of us. So I'm gonna speak some truth into you today. It, it may sound simple. It may sound basic. Maybe it is. But I think it's also the most powerful truth we could ever know. Like this is the foundational truth that all the other truth doesn't really mean much until we get this one right. And this is a truth we never graduate from. This is a truth we never move beyond. This is a truth that we never like tuck away like, okay, I got that one, now I'm gonna move. No, like this is a truth we gotta like lean into every single day. So you ready for it? God loves you. It's the deepest truth in the world is that God loves you. He loves you. And I don't mean that God loves the version of you you're trying to become. It's God doesn't love the you that you pretend to be. God is not loving the cleaned up, now I'm religious enough, I've got my stuff together kind of you. It's not, maybe someday I'll be religious enough or good enough for God to love me. Maybe it's, no, no, that's not the you he loves. God loves you. The right now, right here, just as you are you. The version of you that you currently are, sitting here in this room, joining us online, sitting wherever you are. That's the you God loves. The right now in all of your mess, with all of your brokenness, with all of your pain, with all of your problems, with all of your conniving and your your clamoring and your massing of stuff, the you that is so controlling and prideful and rude and mean to others, the you that has been wounded and hurt and despised by others, the you that has just been it's been dealt a bad hand. The you with all of your baggage and your doubts and your fears and your failures and your unbelief and your insecurities and your uncertainties and your wonderings and your wanderings, the you that just seems like nobody could want that you, that's the you God loves you. And he loves you just as you are. I love that about our God. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture is Zephaniah 3.17. It says, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. Some of you, you don't know him as savior. You need to get to know him as savior. And he takes delight in you with gladness, that God looks on us with a smile. Now, you can translate it that way. God looks on you with a smile. And with his love, he wants to calm all your fears. And he'll rejoice over you with joyful songs. The original language hints at a God who is singing and dancing in your midst. When my kids were little, like really tiny, I would hold them in my arms. Like they were small enough they could fit in one hand, right? And I would hold them and their little legs just dangle over it. And their little tiny hands would grasp my thumbs and I'd turn on some of my favorite music. And we would just dance. And I would hold them and we would dance and I would dance better than this. But we would dance and, you know, we're dancing. I'm like, turn them up and I'm seeing them. And they're looking the other way. Sometimes they're looking at me. We're looking in the mirror and we're just dancing together. Woo. 
and they're laughing and they're giggling and they're smiling and like, yeah, and they're cooing and all these great things. And, but you know what? Their smile could not compare to mine. Because as a dad, I'm holding my child and I'm singing over them and I'm dancing over them and my joy is just exuding over them. And, and it was just all my joy and my delight over them. I let overflow onto them. This beautiful moment of I just get to be your dad. I'm your daddy. That's what God desires with you. That's what God wants to do. He's just a doting dad who adores you. He wants to delight in you. The just as you are you. And let that truth sink into you today. Friend, for those who accept the invitation to be part of his family, your core identity has changed. And you are God's beloved. I thought that's thinking, that's who you are. That you are the beloved of God. So if you've accepted Jesus, if you follow Jesus, then you need to like remember this is what is true of you. That this defines your identity. And so I just want to remind you of some truth. It's not an exhaustive list, but I just want to speak some truth over you today and remind you of your identity in Jesus. That as the beloved of God, as you stand in Christ, that you are spiritually alive and adopted and adored. You are an ambassador for Christ because you've been accepted by God. You are blessed and you are beloved. You are clothed with Christ and made clean in his image. You are complete and you are created by God's very own hand. You are a co-heir with Jesus Christ to all of eternity. You are a child of God, chosen by God, cherished by God. You are freed and forgiven of the power and the penalty of your sin. You are invited and justified and made new and protected, reconciled, redeemed, renewed, and restored. You are saved by grace and you stand in that grace because that grace comes from faith and not from your doing. You are sufficient by God and in God. And you are now God's temple and triumphant and victorious and valued. And you are all of these things because God loves you. Hear that again, church. You need to hear this today. God loves you. Let it sink in. God loves you. It's not my words for you. These are his words for you. God loves you. Let it begin to sink in underneath the mask that God loves you. Not the you you're trying to become. Not the you you're pretending to be. Not the you you wish you were. God loves you. The right now, just as you are, and all your mess and all your stuff, you. God loves you. Let that define you. Let that shape you. You are not an accident. God created you out of love and he created you to receive his love. You are not some primordial ooze that evolved into you. You are made in an image of a creator, sustainer God. Created out of the overflow of his love to let his love flow into you and through you. You are made in his image. Before you were conceived by your parents, you were conceived in the mind of God. You are not an accident, an afterthought, an oops, or a mistake. You are not here by chance, by luck, by coincidence, or by fate. You are here because God planned for you to be here. He wanted you to be here. Wanted you to be here on this planet. Wanted you to be here in this town. He wanted you to be here in this room or online with us right now in this moment. God desired for you to be here, to hear this, to be reminded of this, because God has a plan and God has a purpose for you because God loves you. Church, you need to know that. You need to receive that. Let that sink in and receive that today. God loves you. It's the deepest truth you'll ever know in your life. God loves you. And I want you to let that begin to transform you. 
See, if you let him, his love will transform you. What I love about God is he loves you just as you are. It was all of us that way, but he loves us way too much to let us stay there. And his love will transform us. And it will change us. And it will free us. So you gotta receive it. Now, coming to know that love, coming to trust God's love, that's a lifelong process. It's not always easy. And there's a whole lot of other things that compete for our attention. A whole lot of other noise that comes in. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. When you came in today, those of you who are in person with us, you received one of these. This is simply a list of some of those truths that I mentioned to you. These are not the only things that are true of you as you're in Christ, but these are some important truths for you. I want you to go ahead and grab it. You take a look at this. For those of you who joined us online, we have a digital copy for us. For those of you in person, there's a digital copy for you as well. There's a digital copy online. You can find it through our website. I think they're posting that right now in the chat space. It's up on the screen. And you can access that digital copy. And it's got the hyperlinks to each of these passages. I want you to print it out. And I want you to keep this on your bedside table, your nightstand. And the first thing you do in the morning, when the alarm goes off, I want you to grab this and begin to read through this. So before all the other noise of the world starts coming at you, before the to-do list starts going through your head, before the social media starts telling you you're somebody else, before all the other stuff, before the pride, the prejudice, the insecurities, and all the mess comes at you, I want you to, before you get up and go to the bathroom, I want you to read through this list in the morning. Remind yourself of who you are. Remind yourself of what is true of you in Christ. And let that shape your day. Let that wash over you. There's a scripture reference for each one of these. There's Read this entire list every day. There's enough here that during this next month as we walk through this series, you read a different scripture every day and let that truth just wash over you. Just spend time on it. Write it down. Take it with you. Remind yourself in the car. Remind yourself when you're waiting to get lunch. Remind yourself when you're stopped at the stop sign. Remind yourself all the time of what is true of you as you are in Christ and let that wash over you. Let that transform you and let that change you and let that begin to pull the mask down so you can get real. As God's child. Now, one more thing. and get real, real, real quick. As we know, it's one thing to be loved by God. God loves me. It's another thing to know if we're loved by people. God loves me. God accepts me. Will you? Now, the church should be the safest place on the planet for us to get real, for us to take off the mask, for us to find that we can be true and be loved. The problem is, and some of you know this because some of you have experienced this, sometimes the church is the most painful place to try and do that. Uh, we feel a judging spirit. We've heard that holier than thou kind of thing. We've bought into some weird warped lie that tells us that we gotta get our stuff together before we can measure up and then we'll belong. I don't know. Listen, I'm gonna invite you to put aside whatever experiences, whatever pain, whatever wounds you've received from that kind of church mentality and just join us here on this journey of getting real. Because I can assure you, there's not a person in this room who does not need God's grace and there's not a person in this room who is too far beyond his grace. When Jesus would teach, he, he would go pretty hard after the hypocrites and that word hypocrite it's just the Greek word they would use for an actor, the person who stood behind a mask pretending to be somebody else, acting. And Jesus said too many of the ultra-religious, the legalistic people were just religious hypocrites pretending that they had it all together when no one does. 
And listen, I want to assure you of this. Here at this church, and any church you'll go to, there is not a person, not one single one of us has it all together. There's no one on this platform. There's no one at the lobby. There's no one you're going to bump into who's got it all together. We are all people in need of grace. This is what I know to be true of everybody who comes here anytime. We have all either been a wreck, we currently are a wreck, or we're about two bad decisions away from making a wreck of our lives, right? That's who we are. So welcome to the club, all right? And with that truth, let's get real. The invitation to be real is for all of us. So it's time to start pulling down the masks. It's gonna be a challenge. It's gonna be a journey. Just join us on this journey. And that means every mask. It's time for every mask to come down. And that includes this happy little religious mask for those of us who would pretend that we have spiritual superiority. It's time to take that down with all the others. And let's just get real with who we are and get real with God. Now doing that is the most liberating thing you'll ever do. It's the most spiritually liberating thing. It's also the most terrifying thing you'll ever do in your life. So I'm gonna remind you that 365 times The Bible tells us, don't be afraid. 365 different times, there's some version of fear not. 365 different times, some version of don't fear. It's almost as though God wants us to hear that every single day. So friend, let me invite you. Don't be afraid to take off the mask. Don't be afraid to get real. Because here's what I can assure you. You take off the mask. You will be fully known. But you will still be fully loved. In fact, maybe for the first time, the real you will be loved. You'll be loved by God. Loved by us. You'll be loved by me. Let's just take off the mask. Just let it come down. Let's pray. God, what a beautiful thing to be loved by you. God, words fail us as we try to make sense of the fact that a holy, incredible God who's perfect in every way could love such unholy, imperfect people as us. But you do. And you invite us Not just to stand at a distance and worship from a distance. But you invite us to draw close to you and call you daddy. And you've done everything necessary. Because you love us so much. Jesus, you took a cross for us. To make a pathway for us. To have your love just flow into our lives. And for us to be freed from all the things that would get in the way. For that we love you. God, help us to love you in return. Help us to love one another. But God, in this moment, just help us to receive the love you have for us. And if there are any here in this moment, in person, online, watching it on demand, who have never before received your love, God, I pray that this would be the turning point in their life where they accept you, Jesus, as Savior, as healer, as the lover of their soul and the leader of their life. God, may your love flow into us. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen.